Welcome to North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here, we are a family that seeks to love others the way Jesus loves us and raise people up in His love. We are grateful to have you listen in. Regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. Mother's Day. Um, please give your mothers some love today. Um, man, what a crazy weekend. I realize my voice might sound a little, it might sound a little hoarse. Um, if it does, I apologize. It's been a crazy Saturday. Oh God, okay, well, regardless of whether or not people graduate or, or whether or not, you know, things happen or whatever, you know, God's word still continues and we are in Jonah. So I don't even got time to be like, yeah, I graduated or whatever, because we are still in Jonah. So let's just open up our Bibles to Jonah, <laughs> Jonah chapter three. We are in Jonah chapter three. What I love about Jonah, I will say I probably shouldn't be making this comment because, you know, I'm a pastor, but I love that Jonah is so short. Man, you don't need a lot of, you don't need a, sometimes you don't need a lot of words. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, like, Paul goes on and on and on, but, like, Jonah is, like, straight to the point. It's like, well, God relented, and Jonah was angry, and Jonah was not obedient, and then God put him into the belly. It's, like, very, very, anyway. So we're reading through Jonah. I think Jonah, I believe Jonah's after Obadiah before Micah. In the Old Testament, it's one of the minor prophets, meaning that just uh, not that Jonah himself is minor to God, but that um, the the books are small. That's that's the difference between the major and the minor prophets. Um, so, yeah, Jonah, chapter three, we are in the third part of our sermon series, um, which ends real soon. But. Yes, uh, we are joining from all different places, but I, I pray that we can um be reverent before god right now um if if there's ever a moment to pay attention this is the time to pay attention wake up and pay attention right now this is the word of the lord then the word of the lord came to jonah the second time saying arise go to nineveh that great city and call out against it the message that i tell you so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. <coughs> and the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, for the greatest of, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes, and he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and from his 
and turn from his fierce anger that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in praying? Honestly, Abba, I have... I have... God... Abba, I don't want to preach this sermon. (laughs) Uh, Because, Lord... Abba, because you know how, uh, uh, because, you know, you know that, you know, I wrestle with this too, God. And so I, I feel very, you know, um, I feel very, um, underqualified to preach this one, Lord. Uh, not that I was ever qualified to begin with, but, uh, but this one is, uh, (laughs) sorry, God. I just, I just. Lord, would you just be with us? Would you just be with your people as we hear more about your word, as we learn more about your heart uh, for the world, and as we learn to just uh, follow you, God? Would you help us open our eyes to see you and hear you? Abba, help me to follow you. Um, help, Help me, Father God, to preach this. Hide me behind your cross that only you are magnified and glorified. This is not my words. It's not my wisdom. It's not what I like to talk about. <laughs> but this is just you, God. And so I just want to I just want to give you glory and um yeah, God, would you uh would you just would you just be the one to preach this? Um Holy Spirit, I appeal to you in all of our hearts. Would you take us to the next level with you? Abba, would you just clear out any and all distractions that are tying us to the world more than to you right now in the name of Jesus that we would hear you. I pray for release spiritually from any and all things that we might have come into agreement with, any shackles that we may have on us. Father God, that that would be released in their spaces in the name of Jesus and that they would be able to focus on you, Lord. So we just pray um, that you would be with us, God. We love you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. I forgot last week's ser- sermon title and main idea uh, because, uh, you know, it was prayer in the pit. So I'm going to read this one out to you guys first before I forget. Okay. Jonah chapter 3 is the sermon title is Who Knows God May Relent. Who knows? God may relent. The main idea is God does more than we can and has plans different from our own. Main idea is God does more than we can and has plans different from our own. So I'm just going to try to break this down and keep this. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't know how else to say this. I don't want to spend too much. Actually, let me not just, let me not say that. It, it is God's. Okay, this, let me give a disclaimer. I am not in a position to be preaching this to you um, on my own strength and authority because I am wrestling with you. So I hope that that is um, encouragement to you as you confront 
what is in your own lives. Um, that is between you and the Lord. Uh, and this is not a personal jab on anybody as I am in no position to use God's word to do that, nor would I ever try to because I fear God. Um, but this is just, you know, something that God is leading us through in this book. And so, um, without looking at the person who's preaching, I pray that you would be able to just take it in for yourselves and take God's word in for yourselves. Um, I graduated so that I have the learning to be able to decipher what this passage is talking about and be that messenger and that mouthpiece. So that, that is, that is yours, um, with you and your relationship with the Lord. And it is not personal, uh, nor is it intentional by human intention. So I just want you to know that. And now we're going to go into it. So we, we, this chapter starts off with God's renewed calling for Jonah. So context is Jonah is in the belly. He prays and he gets spit back out. Right. But the, what, but some key points that we were landing home last week is number one, that idolatry leads us to the belly. Right. Our idolatry of our futures, our idolatry of our families, of our, our idolatry of ourselves, our idolatry of our desires, our ambitions, what we want. It leads us to the belly. Um, our idolatries about ministry and the reasons for why we go into ministry, whatever self-centered reasons there might be, as much as it is God glorifying, it leads us to the belly and it leads us to burnout. Uh, where God and then God takes us into the belly and burnout is renewed in the belly. Um, Jonah was lost in his own heart about God's call rather than God's heart that he is burned out by God's love for people that he can't love. Right. And uh, there's this loss of joy and thankfulness because of a fixation on his wants and his personal priorities. But then he turns to God in this belly and he says, I'm sorry I left your love behind in pursuit of my personal priorities. And so the Thanksgiving Psalm, it seems that Thanksgiving and relationships seems to be keys to turning back to the Lord and obeying in the belly. So I don't know if I clarified that last week, but if you want a practical, I can't give you like step by step because ultimately that's between you and the Lord. But I can tell you that thankfulness and relationship are key factors in reconciling yourself back to the Lord. If you are in a season where you're burned out or if you're in a season of wilderness, if you are in a season where you feel like you are in the valley, where you feel like you've tried your best in your life and you've exhausted all your options for your personal priorities, thanksgiving and relationship and remembrance seem to be key themes in the season of the belly. And so that's what chapter two was about. And so after Jonah does this Thanksgiving Psalm, he's in the belly for three days. God then instructs the whale to spit him out. So the whale vomits and Jonah gets spit back where right back where he started in Palestine. It's, it's hilarious. Um, but God renews his message to Jonah he says, go to the great city of Nineveh and pro proclaim to it the message I give you. We see here that there is a second beginning. God isn't, you know, dragging out Jonah's forgiveness. God is being like, you know, we would like, do you, do you, are you really sorry? Are you really sorry though? And you know, when we, when we reconcile ourselves, we might mention it over and over, but God, God does not mince words. He does not waste time. He spits. He has the, he has the fish, the big whale spit Jonah back onto land. And he says to Jonah again, after reinstating him, he just says the same thing, but he doesn't necessarily, um, 
he doesn't necessarily restate you know what Nineveh has done or how Nineveh has been great greatly evil he doesn't re he doesn't re like restate any of that he just says again to Noah uh, Jonah go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it so this this there's this redemption in the repetition of the call um, this second chance the whole bird in the second yeah there's a second chance that we get um, one clear thing to note that I vocalized just now is that Jonah ran away but he found himself right back where he started okay so I don't know I know we've we're only six minutes into the sermon right now but here's your first word and it's that no matter how much you try running away from the Lord, you might find yourself running in circles. When you walk away from God, if you are in a season right now where you are avoiding Hananim because you don't want to face what he has for your life or, you, or because you want to do your own thing um, or because you, you know, God... I'm trying to be faithful to you, but my first priority is, I don't know, putting, getting, making money, like putting food on the table, helping my family, whatever it may be. If your priorities are not in the right place and you are running away from the Lord as a result of that, because you know that your priorities, God is not at the top of your priorities and God's trying to tell you something, but you're running away from that because you're trying to do your own thing. You're trying to set up your own future. You're doing your best to get your own job. You're trying your best to have all your opportunities lined up for you in your own way. And you're running away from God and you feel like you're far from God. You will find yourself running in circles, exhausting yourself and burning yourself out. We see here that Jonah got swallowed up. He dead went on a suicide mission, y'all. Because he did not want to obey God because Nineveh sucks and he is loyal to Israel. And so Jonah, this good man, but not a great prophet, runs away from God expecting to die. Has this whole storm happen. The, these non-believers are like, yo, pray to your God. And he's like, oh, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. He's like, what have you done? They literally have to throw him overboard. He's like, I'm going to die. He literally gets thrown into the middle of the sea, which, by the way, stops Stops everything immediately once Jonah throws into gets thrown into the sea. This it's almost like a storm never happened. Everybody's like, "What the hell just happened?" And then Jonah gets swallowed up by a whale for three days, only to get spit out exactly where he started. There is some piece of wisdom that must be learned. Some of us we don't experience. Let me, oh, let me tell you some, okay, wait, no, no. Some of us, we might not be hearing this right now, but you need to hear it. Because some of us have lived our lives in a very painful way. Difficulty upon difficulty upon difficulty because we have been trying our best to stay afloat on our own. And no matter how hard we try, we find ourselves in the same place running in circles. Right. So here's your word for today, if that's you. Word number one. No matter how much you run away from God, all you're doing is causing pain upon yourself. Have you consulted God for your future? Have you consulted God about your priorities, about your family, about your relationships, about your vocation? Have you cared to have God be at some part of that process? Or are you sticking to what you know because you're stubborn and fixed on following what you want to do?
Are you in a season of difficulty because you're trying your best to, I don't know, graduate or get a job or have your child have this thing work out or your next work project have it work out, but it's not going well? My question to you is, where is God in that process of yours? And an even harder question that I have no right, not no right, but I am not keen on or I don't care about hearing the answer to because I don't I don't know if number one I don't know if I want to that's between you and the Lord you know uh yeah you know I mean if you want me to be there I will but um one other question is is that calling is that place that you're walking into is that what really God has called you to right and then the second thing is if it is why if God has called you somewhere right if it's not then it's worth considering one thing that's worth considering is then where is God calling you to? What made you decide to have this vocation? What made you decide to put your family first? What made you decide that this was the way that you needed to live? What made you decide that you had to do it on your own? What made you decide? What made you have these thoughts, right? But let's say you've prayed and, and God has clearly stated to you that this is something that he's called you into but you're still having a hard time then one thing is to wonder is why are you having such a difficult time why are you prioritizing other things over god when god has called you to it if god has really placed you in this place that you're in what made you think that all of a sudden now that you are in the place that god has called you to that you can do it on your own Right. We see here in the folly of Jonah, the art of um, breaking ourselves, <laughs> breaking ourselves and nearly dying because we're dumb. <laughs> like there's no other re like let's if Jonah just obeyed. You realize the whole <laughs> The whole reason why Jonah had to go through that suicide mission, the storm, the belly of the fish, it's not because that's what God asked. That's not, that's because God, that was what God had planned for him. It was just because that's what it took for Jonah to obey. And sometimes, now God is not one on punishing, right? He, he, Jesus already, he already paid it all. Um, but sometimes we are in seasons of wilderness because of ourselves, but then we ask God, why do you do this to me? And one thing to note is, is that, you know, Jonah went through something completely unnecessary, if not for his own hardened heart. Um, so yes, that's, that's that. And then this time, Jonah obeyed. He had learned his lesson. Right. Uh, the second time that God calls him to something, he obeys. He seemingly has learned his lesson. He, there's no mention of his trip to Nineveh, which should have taken a few weeks from where he was. There's no mention of his stay at Nineveh. Now, when I say, right, this time, Jonah obeyed. He had learned his lesson. What is the lesson he had learned? It's not just 
follow God because he has something, he, he knows what he's doing. Although that is a great lesson to learn. But it's, it's, it's a lack. What the lesson that Jonah has learned is to not be fixated on his priorities over the Lord. The lesson that Jonah had learned is not a lesson just of disobedience. And it's not a lesson just on stubbornness. It's a lesson on idolatry. Right? It's a lesson on who, where Jonah's loyalty lies. It's a lesson on who has his eternity in his hands. So, you know, in that sense, we might, we might be Jonah, you know, we, we might be Jonah. Like, this is something to seriously consider. This is something to seriously ask yourself. Like, am I being Jonah right now? Because that is the, if you are in the same position as Jonah in Jonah chapter three or in Jonah chapter two or Jonah chapter one, the best thing that can happen to your life right now is clarity. And I'll go into why that is in a little bit, okay? Um, the best thing that can happen for your life right now is clarity. Because God doesn't just want your repentance. God wants your faith. I'm going to say that one more time. God doesn't just want your repentance. He wants faith, right? It's not just that God wants you to say sorry. We say sorry for so many things. I was, I was um, actually in a conversation with Pastor Choi about this a, a while back. Like the word sorry in Korean, 미안해요 or 죄송해요, that means it's my fault. I apologize and I take responsibility because this is my fault. But in English, the word sorry is not often abs absolution of guilt or responsibility. You say, I'm sorry for your loss. Then it's just that I, I'm, I'm sad and I'm sorry that you are going through that right now. Let's say there's a misunderstanding, right? Somebody made you uncomfortable and that wasn't that person's in intention. Maybe a, a boy made a joke to a girl that was too far and too, un like, too uncomfy for the girl to be able to hear. And she felt uncomfortable and the boy who is, not, not that this is gender stereotypical. Okay, maybe I'll, I'll be the boy. Like, maybe I'll say a joke to Songi that makes her uncomfortable, right? And it wasn't my intention because I love Songi, but Songi felt uncomfortable. I can say, I'm sorry. That wasn't my intention, and I'm sorry that you felt that way, right? It's not necessarily that I am claiming responsibility and guilt of intentionally making her feel uncomfortable, but regardless of my intention, I'm apologizing for the way that she felt, right? So in English, the, the act of apologizing is very different. It's very nuanced. Uh, there are various levels to being sorry for something, right? But at the end of the day, what God wants is not just Jonah's repentance, but it's Jonah's heart. It's Jonah's faith. A small sorry to God doesn't necessarily mean you believe him. I'm going to say that one more time. This is word number two. We are 18 minutes in. A small sorry to God does not mean that you believe him. But anyways, 
God gives Jonah a fresh new start. And it seems like Jonah has learned this lesson about our idolatry. So has he learned? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, we move on to the second part of this chapter where it's about Jonah's preaching and about Nineveh. So Nineveh is a city that's important to God. That That's a, requiring a three-day visit. Um, that language in the Hebrew, uh, it sounds like, you know, God's like, oh, yeah, Nineveh is so important. You need to stay there at least three days. It's actually talking about the, the size of it. Uh, it's saying that Nineveh was big even to God and that it takes three days to walk through the city. Um, and so Jonah goes in, takes him several weeks, although that's not mentioned here. Clearly, the author does not want to give you any details that are unnecessary. He's cut off. He's trimmed all the fat. That's why Jonah sucks so bad. There's no fat on this. It's just exactly what you need. And so that whole journey, we don't get to actually hear about how Jonah walked over to Nineveh. He could have gone kicking and screaming. He could have been dragging his feet. He could have been singing and praising to God. He could have been crying all the way home. Nobody knows. Nobody knows because at the end of the day, Jonah obeys. Um, and I think it's like a, also like, I think that's also like a micro word in and of itself, right? Sometimes we go to church for the wrong reasons. Sometimes we go to church for our friends. Sometimes we go to church to seek gratification in Hananim. Sometimes we start serving to find a sense of purpose. Sometimes, sometimes when we, when God gives us something, we obey God, but we're not totally willing. I think there's something to be said about the fact that God honors our obedience anyways. Um, and that God uses our every opportunity because we're not perfect. God doesn't expect us to be perfect. And even when we think our intentions are completely pure, they're most likely not. And so um, as much as it's important to have the right heart towards the Lord and towards service, there is something to be said about the fact that God honors our every yes, even if it is imperfect, even if it's not good. I'm not saying, oh, you don't have to have the right intention all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that here, God honors Jonah's obedience, regardless of where it comes from. Because it's clear later on in the book of Jonah, spoiler alert, that Jonah's not completely learned his lesson and his heart isn't completely in the right place either. And yet, God still honors him. And so there's something to be said about that too. This, unre this um, I don't want to call him disobedient because he obeyed, but this stubborn prophet, this hard-to-work-with prophet that God still loves. But anyways, Jonah goes into Nineveh. Now, when Jonah goes into Nineveh, when God calls Jonah to go into Nineveh and speak on this repentance bit, right? Jonah is expected to preach. You know, you see prophets write for freaking, like Isaiah is 66 chapters of just talking. God talking through Isaiah and Isaiah talking. It's 66 freaking chapters okay prophets can go on and on and on not just because they like listening to their voice although i don't know if that's true or not but it's because that's god's call it's it's often a word um but but jonah only actually the only recorded bit of what jonah does is actually one sentence in 40 more days nineveh will be overthrown you might miss this but i want to focus in on I, I want us to notice a few key details about this, okay? The first detail is that there's no mention of repentance or God. Why is that significant? Jonah hasn't even gotten to the point where he's preached the gospel. There is no mention of God. 
In 40 days, Nineveh will be overthrown. There's an implicit like assertion of a deity. I mean, he's a prophet, right? His role is spiritual in nature. Clearly, there is God at work. But there's no distinction of the Hebrew God of Yahweh in this word. There's also no mention of the fact that God will relent if they, if they repent. There's a difference between a prediction of the future and a call to repentance, right? And if you take this, there's enough evidence to prove that Jonah was unwilling, right? I mean, in the chapters prior, but this, this word that Jonah gives is clearly flawed. There's, there's no saying that Jonah's fully given the word that God had assigned him to preach. Because he doesn't say repent and God will relent. There's no mention of the Hebrew God. There's no mention of God's mercy. There's no mention of God's intention. There's no mention of repentance. He just says in 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. And there's a difference between a prediction and a prophetic word. There's a difference between just predicting the future and a call to repentance. There's enough evidence to prove that Jonah had hoped that this was a prediction rather than a call to turn around. It's like when it's like when your mom asks you to apologize to somebody and you're like, do I have to? Like 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 let's say me and Tongi, we get we we fight and then we sit and our mom is just like looking at us with our with our hands crossed. She's like, Why are you guys doing this? And we're like, I don't know. She she acted like this. She acted like this, like apologize to one another. We're like, sorry. Right? No apologize. Sorry. For what? making you feel bad right and it's just like this like like strained apology the strained reconciliation right we see that jonah is not completely at least in his language it's clear that he's learned not like leaving certain things out but it's it's not like he's not obeying god right but it's like it's like when like for example the difference between lying and not telling the truth right it's not that he's saying something that's wrong, but he's just leaving a couple things out. You know, like it's, he is, he is saying the word that God is telling him to say, right? But not all the details are in there, right? But that doesn't mean that Jonah's disobeying, right? And we see this like interesting obedience that many of us might relate to when it comes to god i don't know about i don't know about y'all but when god asks me to do something that i don't want to do i might find myself having this attitude towards scripture or towards what god is calling me to um another thing to note is the number 40 uh the number 40 is actually in this context it's not just a number it's also used a lot in scripture to describe like a lot. The word 40 is like idiomatic for a lot. So in other words, this could be say in a lot more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. It's not actually one more than 39 here. It's used traditionally in the Old Testament to explain a good many days. And the significance of the number 40 is not just in the idiomatic usage of it, but it's also in the context of it. So the word 40 is used often in the time of purging. The Israelites were in the wilderness 
for 40 years to be purged of their idolatry, of their spiritual shackles. Um, just 40 days. I mean, even, even Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights without food and water before the devil tempts him, right? 40 days is often a time of purging. It's a change in direction. It's a significant word for a season of purging of the desires of the heart. Um, and there's no way that that was lost on the Israelites when they're reading this story as well. So in 40 more days, in a lot more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. So Jonah, he does preach repentance, but not really. And the interesting thing about this is, is, is that Jonah would have been there for many more days, and he probably was there for more days than just the first. It takes three days alone to walk through the city of Nineveh. But only the first day of Jonah's ministry is mentioned. Why is only the first day of Jonah's ministry mentioned? Why does the author make the point that his preaching began then, but he doesn't mention the other days or distances? The answer is simple. The people of Nineveh beat him to it. They repented before he can get into the full task of preaching. Before Jonah could even explain who God is, what kind of God would call them, what kind of God would love them, the people of Nineveh already beat him to it. They already believed God. They were already repenting before Jonah could even finish. Now, what happens? What is the reaction of Nineveh? We see, just I'm just going to read it in order, okay? The king, it gets to the king. He tears his royal robes, he puts on sackcloth, he announces a degree telling everybody to do the same and telling everybody to fast, not drink a glass of water. That, that, that's not often a prolonged decree, but a short and thick decree for everybody to pay attention and focus on God. Um, stop your evil, stop your violence. And then he says, who knows? God may relent. Okay. So sackcloth and fasting, I'm sure you guys have heard a lot of sermons on sackcloth and fasting, but in the Old Testament, sackcloth and fasting was a clear sign of self-denial. And the people of Nineveh were acting on it in a, in a state of genuineness of prayer for mercy. So it's this complete self-denial of the king and the king's leadership of a whole nation that a entire nation Every single person, imagine the president calling all of America and then all of America denying themselves water and tearing their clothes, praying for mercy. If we did that, I think America would change. If you think about it in our current context, because Nineveh was illustrious. Nineveh was rich. Nineveh had fountains. Nineveh had recreational. Nineveh had... The, the library, the Chaldean, the Babylonian slash Assyrian libraries, they're some of the most prolific ever in these times, right? And yet, the whole city goes into sackcloth and fasting, regardless of every person, you know, any, every person reacts to things differently. Some people might not have agreed with the king. Some people might have. I mean, we see that division in our country today, but yet every single person does it, right? 
through this king's leadership. And every single person denies themselves and acts in genuine prayer for mercy. And he says, stop your evil and stop your frequent violence. Who knows? God may relent. The interesting thing about this word relent is that it actually also like, I know you, you might, when was the last time you used the word relent? Maybe you guys might not be familiar with the word, except in the, in the song, you won't relent until you, right? You might, you might not have heard this song, or not the song, this word very often, but the word relent actually has to do with being sorry. And regret. It has this definition of regret. This exact word is used in Genesis 6 when God is sorry that he made man. When he looks upon the evil of the world and he is sorry that he made man. It's the same word in 1 Samuel when it says that God is not a man to regret. Our God is a God, therefore he has no regrets. And yet in Genesis 6, it says God regretted that he made man. God was sorry that he made man on the earth and he resolved to send a flood. The language of relenting then is the same language now in this passage. Who knows? God may relent it's interesting here we see we there's no way that that's lost on the people of israel or the people that are reading this because the flood narrative is so well known there's no way that that's lost that the word is the same word there's no way that that's lost the same word where god says that he is sorry that he made man is the same word that the king uses to say, who knows, maybe God will regret his judgment and will show mercy on us. We see the most evil and powerful of cities displaying a level of self-denial, a level of genuine act of mercy, a level of breaking before God in hopes that he will relent of his anger towards their evil doings. We see a level of repentance in this city that we have never seen in the chosen people up until this point the chosen people had not repented so sincerely as Nineveh has in this moment but here's the catch Nineveh doesn't there's no mention of Nineveh getting to hear the gospel and there's no mo mention of Nineveh turning into Yahwists there's no mention of Nineveh, Nineveh all of a sudden becoming monotheistic Jews Nineveh hears the message of judgment from God. And they act in self-denial and they get to this point where they can relent, they, where they repent, saying, who knows, God may relent. They, without even hearing the gospel, the possibility that God might actually be true to his forgiving nature and spare Nineveh that possibility is what Nineveh grasps. We see here, we see, we actually see here, because you know, in, in theodicy, it's like, well, what, what happens to people who never get to hear God's message? We see here that it's not even just the message of the, like God is evident everywhere. 
even to people who haven't heard his word. And we see here a level of mercy and forgiveness that God shows Nineveh even when they have not professed him as their God. If you, that takes a lot of forgiveness and mercy for the Lord. God isn't asking for much. God isn't asking for them to acknowledge him as their God. God isn't asking for their faith. God isn't asking for, God is just asking that they repent of their evil ways. And it's clear here that Nineveh doesn't need to believe in God to repent. More sincerely than even the people that believe in him do. It's a moment of humility for God's people. Spoiler alert, Jonah chapter four, verse one says Jonah was angry. Jonah was angry. And we see here that maybe Jonah didn't learn his lesson after all. But we also see in the way that God used Jonah that it could have been a donkey. God didn't need Jonah's assets God didn't need Jonah's gifts. God just needed Jonah's obedience for this mission. But Jonah, completely caught up in himself, refused to obey God. Can you lower the blinds? So does that mean, you might ask, Jane, though, does that mean that they got saved? They didn't actually become Jews, okay? Which means that they just repented. That it's not equal conversion here. God has grace for everyone. Mercy in the moment is given to everyone, even for people who aren't saved. That is the nature of God's love for his people. Does Nineveh not have a mandate to believe in the God that loves them and calls them? Yes. Because God loves them and God created them. And yet, that's not what God needs of Nineveh. Just basic repentance. So we see a level of mercy in God for both Jonah and it's just like a really interesting situation where no one here is perfect. There's this prophet who can't get over himself, who barely by the skin of his teeth obeys, even after going through all of that, even after, and that's so similar to us, y'all. Like we suffer and we suffer and we suffer just because we're going on our own way. We're trying to do everything on our own strength. We don't listen to God. And then we suffer just to obey him the second time in this like complete it's like the bare minimum. And yet that's all God needs to do what he wants to do. And even God's calling to the other party, to Jonah's enemies, is also the bare minimum. We see here that God is not asking the world of us. But that God is just asking for the bare minimum. And he, in his mercy, in his kindness, covers the rest, both of the servant and of the congregation. So how do we apply this in our lives? The first thing 
is that we might run away, but we can't run away forever. You might run away from following God, but you'll find yourself right back where you started. And if you do, and oh, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I personally, after, you know, I've, I'm four years in to obeying God. Uh, it, wasn't always, it wasn't always easy, and it wasn't always of my volition. I've definitely been Jonah more than I have been David. Um, I wasn't always faithful. And I didn't always have my heart in the right place. You might run away from following God. Even as you follow him. Okay. But I will tell you. I think it is better. And I said this before. And I said that I would expound upon why. If you are in a season where you are similar to Jonah. And you are running away from something. Or you are running in circles trying to do things on your own. When God might be speaking into your life. When God is asking for you to return. When God is asking for you to come back. And you might be running away from that. Let me tell you something, okay? The best thing for your life right now is not for your circumstances to get easier, but it's clarity as to why you are having this hardship. You might be like, God, why is this happening to me? Why are things not working out? How come things are not working out according to my plan? In this situation, the greatest act of mercy that God can give you might not be for everything to work out the way you had planned it, but it might be it might be God's grace for your life to receive clarity because it is better for you to obey God. It is better for you to obey God than for you to go in your plans and have everything work and for you to be solidified in your disobedience. Because as much as you might think you're going to live forever, life is short. And if you learn the habit of doing things on your own without God and not valuing God now, who the hell knows where you're going to be at 50? And if you are at 50 and you are revisiting this moment, if you don't obey this now, who knows the next time you will be open to another opportunity to be called to follow him? I feel like this is an important lesson for all of us to consider. Who knows the next time you will be open? Clarity is the best thing for your life right now. Clarity as to why you are in the belly. Clarity as to why you are burnt out. That might be the best thing for you right now. You might run away, but we can't run away forever. And here's the scary thing. You might run away your whole life, but that life is going to end. And then what? I'm not trying to scare anybody. But that is, that's, that's the reality that you need to be able to digest for yourself. Let's say you successfully run away from God your whole, your whole life. And then what? Do you need to experience extreme grief 
to understand the transience of human life. And some of us, we might even experience grief and we might still not get it. Life is short. How many opportunities do you really think you're going to have to obey God? Because let me tell you, the first time you start running away from him, that's going to be two and three and four. There are moments, crossroads in our lives that often determine. And maybe you're not at that crossroad yet. Maybe you're like, Jane, I'm chilling. And so let me disobey God in the little things. Because when I get to the crossroads, I'll obey. What makes you think when you've not obeyed God up until that point that when you get to the crossroads, you are going to obey him? It's the small obediences day by day to fix our eyes on God, to choose to follow him, to choose to look to him even when life is confusing, even when the future is obscure. It's the small obediences along the way. It's the trudging along, the walking of life that when we have to run, we know what to do. It's like Karate Kid. Have you guys watched Jaden Smith's Karate Kid? It's like, oh, you go to the most, the biggest karate master, and Jaden Smith's like, yo, train me. But all it really is is chores at first. You know? Oftentimes, like, we go to the gym and we, like, work out, but uh, our mom really likes to work out with her own weight. And, and a lot of people say, like, that's the healthiest, like, pull, doing pull-ups with your own body weight, you know, push-ups and curl-ups. Like, those are really helpful for you. And, but those are the things that you can do at home, right? And it's the little things. It's the little things, the little acts that really train your body to do the bigger things. In any given sport, in any given um, craft, it's the foundations that determine the technique. So it is with following God. If you're in a season where you're not at the crossroads, but you feel it on the other side, but you're like, I'm just going to do what I want now, and then when, I, when it really comes down to it, I'll obey him. There is no saying that that muscle will be developed enough for you to even catch that the crossroads is in front of you. Imagine missing it. Imagine missing this moment of clarity and then missing the greater crossroads down the line. And better yet, some of us are at the crossroads. And we don't want to follow God, but we'll follow God at the next one. Who is there to say that there will be a next one? What are you banking on? The certainty of your future? What are you banking, what are you actually banking on? Show me your receipts. But Jane, I have next time, okay, tell, prove to me that there will be a next time. Can you? You might run away now, but you can't run away forever. And you know what the blessing is? I'm just bellowing at you and Jonah is yelling at you through writing. But that is better than experiencing it. And some of us, we are at the point where we have experienced it. Okay? And it sucks. It sucks. But even when we experience it, we don't get it. We see it in Jonah. We experience it, but we don't get it. We grudgingly follow him. We do the bare minimum. And yet God still honors that. But guys, we have to wake up. Another application point is that sometimes God calls us to do things we don't want to do. What do you do when God is calling us to, when what God is calling us to do is too hard?
Remember that that statement in and of itself is antithetical because nothing is too hard for God. And if God is calling you to it, will he not give you everything that you need? At the end of the day, when you think that what God is calling you is too hard, that is either you not believing in God. It's either you not believing in God, that God can do what he says he has, what he says he has or what he can, or ultimately that you just don't want to do it. Or even both. Nothing is too hard for God. So serve with God's heart and not your own. Nothing is too hard for God. If following your own will is easier in your heart than following God, following your own will in practice is harder than following God. A lot of people ask me, like, Jane, do you regret your decision? No. And the reason why I don't regret it is because if I, if I really think about it, even as the type of person who is very easily a Jonah, if I really think about it, the amount of work or like how difficult it would have been for me to just do what I wanted to would have been so much harder than when God carries me through. But for some of us, it might be that the control is something that we can't let go of. It's like, I know exactly what God is going to say to me. Like we pray. Sometimes we might even pray expecting a particular answer from God. It's like, oh, I think this is what God is telling me. Or I think this is what God would tell me. Or I think this is what God would say. We would pray and we'd be like, I think this is what God would say. It's like, why, why pray when this is what God would say, right? Or like, oh, I, like when I'm praying this, I think this is what God would say. Stop assuming what God would say. <laughs> He's a person. If somebody assumes what you're going to say, does it feel good? No. If I, if I ask Hongi, if I think, if I, if I'm, if I assume Songi's yes or Songi's no, Songi would hate that. Y'all have siblings. If your older siblings assumed what you were thinking, you would hate that. Why are you doing that with God? <laughs> God is even bigger. Right? God is bigger than what you think, and nothing is too hard for him. He's worth listening to. He's worth following. And sometimes he might call you to something that you don't feel qualified or you don't feel capable of. God will give you all that you need. He will give you all that you need to get by. If you believe in him, it might go easier. If you don't, I don't know. That, that situation might be more difficult because there's... and Because the, seriously, here we see... Well, that's... Okay, well, that, and that leads us into our next point. God doesn't need your gifts or assets to receive glory. All God needed of Jonah was to obey. Perhaps getting Jonah to obey was another lesson in and of itself to Jonah. And sometimes God calls us to things for our sake just as much as for the sake of the other people. And this brings me to my next point. Like, if you guys, like, God will surely give you the strength that you need to get through the season. But let's say you go kicking and screaming. It's like, well, I believe in God. I believe that he will give me all the strength that I need. I'm following God, so why is it still so difficult? Maybe that is another lesson in and of itself. Correctly examine your heart. 
Have you given it to the Lord? Or are you still doing it by your own strength? Correctly examine your heart. Jonah was angry. So perhaps getting Jonah to obey was another lesson in and of itself to Jonah. Sometimes God calls us to things for our sake just as much as for the other people. And God is merciful to everyone, even to you and to your enemies. That's another thing to remember. If you're holding on to something, remember that God is merciful to that person as well. Remember that God has their own plan for them. Although we are the protagonists of our own lives and our perspective is re revolves around our feelings, remember that we are not the only ones. And if your enemy is yourself, remember that God is merciful to no end. And God has final say over whether or not you are deserving of mercy, not you. to say that one more time if you are your own enemy remember that god is merciful to no end and that god is the one to determine or have the final say on whether or not you deserve mercy not you last but definitely not least repentance is not faith just saying sorry is not what produces faith you've got to believe in him I can say sorry to the trees for cutting them down. I can say sorry to any, I can say sorry to a stranger for walking on their toes, for stepping on their toes. Just saying sorry is not faith. Don't just ask God to relent from what he's bringing. When we ask God, please, please stop this suffering. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. That doesn't mean that you believe in him. God, I'm having such a hard time right now. Please stop this. Uh, please, I'm so sorry. That doesn't mean that you believe that he is your God and that he has your life in his hands. Remember that in your heart, that that prayer is not a prayer of faith. That even people who don't believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior can pray that prayer. There is no faith that is required to pray that kind of prayer. For relief. And God doesn't need you to believe in him for him to give you that mercy. So it's not all, all of a sudden that your faith has grown. No, you have to believe in him. Trust in his promises. Trust in the fact that he has your future planned out. Trust in the fact that he is your main priority. Act upon the fact that he is your main priority. Actually give him the time that it is due. Spend some time talking with him, walking with him. That is what determines faith. Walk by faith and not by sight. That's what faith is all about. Praying, praying, God, I'm so sorry. Please stop this from happening for me. That is not faith. 
Nineveh prayed your exact prayer without even believing in God and God relented. Let that be your lesson for today. Just asking for God, asking for relief from God, that is not faith. Believe in his promises. Have faith in the future that he has for you. Actually engage with the person. Instead of just asking for provision. Let's take this time to pray. I don't know where y'all are at. Are you okay? Okay, are you okay? You're not okay. Okay, let's take this time. I don't know. Okay. Let's take this time to pray. I guess this is the trend of Jonah, y'all. This is the trend of Jonah. The trend of Jonah is that Jane Doe doesn't get off the pulpit. That's the trend of Jonah. Um, let's just take this time to pray. I don't know what God is speaking to you right now. What, what has called out to you right now? running away right? to stop just asking for mercy and actually believe in the God of mercy I don't know what has called out to you maybe you are in a season where you're running away maybe you're in a season where you're at a crossroad maybe you're in a season leading up to a crossroad maybe you're younger and you feel you feel yourself, your life, at a bend before a key moment in your life. Maybe you've been running and you're tired, but that doesn't mean you're willing to go before the Lord. Whatever it may be, let's just take this time to pray to God and ask God for faith. To thank God for his mercy over our stubbornness. God, I need you. I need you, God. I want to recommit my life to you. I want to give you my yes again this morning. To remember the mercifulness of God, the way he doesn't, the way he relents, even when we don't believe. And turn back to the God that loves you for who you are that calls you exactly as you are. Let's come before the God that we worship. Let's pray. From wherever you're listening, we hope you were blessed by this week's message. For more information, check out our website at mbkmc.com.